When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, Winning Plays Podcast is back. Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston is back. And Chris, this is the All-star break, we- baby. All-star break is here. The Celtics have not won 10 in a row. Um, <laughs> we'll start here, Chris. Is that a good thing that they don't have seven days to, to hear about how good they are after winning 10 games in a row? Um, in the situation that when he would beat in the Pistons on Wednesday night, is that a sneaky positive that they lost a close game against the Pistons? No, because we all already wrote our the Celtics are legitimate contenders, and so the hype <laughs> was already out there. Zach Lowe had already done his podcast with Scal, and so uh, no, it's uh, it, all it does is make us look silly that we we jumped the gun and then they fell back into to bad, annoying old habits, and so uh, it is a good reminder that if the Celtics were feeling themselves a little bit, that there's still some lingering issues here with uh, with how they play, and especially their, their, their sometimes maddening offense, or when they let their foot off the gas defensively. So uh, it's one of those, those losses that Brad Stevens would have loved, because then he could go into the film and be like, look at this and do this. But uh, no, I almost wish they had won 10 in a row so that we could have had full on hype train through the, through the break. Instead, uh, it's like, well, they're still losing to, to the Pistons occasionally. Right. But I still, I, that being said, I, I still feel good about this team, right? Like the, the, I, we shouldn't let one game where they were clearly on vacation mode take away from all the good that's happened over the last, especially, uh, four weeks. I agree with that. And I actually want to like the Pistons played damn well in that game. Like, yeah, they, like Jeremy Green, I mean, they they stink but like when you when you see it whole like you see what Cade can do you're like oh okay this is like maybe they are starting to build something for two or three years down the road um with some of his playmaking in that situation um and i yeah i i'm with you 100 though i had a i had a column all written up during the day just ready to drop after that game assuming the win and that <laughs> didn't happen and so that was just that that completely ruined my night um in terms of the aftermath of uh <laughs> A Wednesday night hanging to the all-star break. But let's talk. I mean, let's talk big picture. I mean, trade deadline. It's been a week. It's been four mm-hmm. games. There's been all sorts of Derek White talk. But big picture wise, I mean, we, we talked a lot about this team going in. But what did you, what were your impressions in terms of just how things went down and kind of what these decisions kind of indicate for not just obviously the short term, but I'm, I'm more curious what do you think about like what they mean for the long term with this group? Yeah, so I think I walked away bullish based on like what they did. I, I was more okay with the prices they paid than maybe most were. And like, look, I hate the pick swap too because it's just so far down the line and you just have no idea how that's going to turn out. But I also understand that this team is has, has outside of the top three picks and, and all that stunk drafting. And so like I'm cool. You just want to get proven commodities and pay a, 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 uh, a surge pricing to, to know what you're getting and get guys that you know fit and do it now while you've got Jalen and Jason in the prime of their career and you're just kind of trying to find the right pieces around them. 
you know, we'll, we can we can reflect in six years about whether it was the the best possible move and whether they paid a little bit too much for what right now is a is a six man. But um, I'm okay with it. Even even I, I know I know people keep saying like they should have got picks back in the in the Tice deal because that's a negative value contract. But I just don't think that's how it works. Like you weren't getting anything for Dennis Schroeder, and I know that there's that report about multiple second round picks from the Lakers and all that. But um, yeah, they're I don't probably know if in the fifties. Yeah, I like mean, that's the thing. Been like, they're still gonna be... <laughs> so for me, it's like you've got a player that can actually slot into your rotation and you didn't have to give up any... Like, if you just traded Ennis Cantor and Bruno Fernando in a vacuum, you'd have to give up second-round picks for someone to absorb them, even though they're minimum yeah. contracts. And so for me, it was like... I was actually surprised the Celtics didn't have to give up a pick in that instance. And I get it. Like, again, taking on Tice, you might have been able to get back a second or whatever, but Houston's not trading you a second and because it's going to be in the 30s. So... Um, I like I was fine with those moves. I, there is a value to me in just known commodities, and draft picks are such random wild cards. And if you make the wrong ones, you're just stuck. And so I'm cool with it. But uh, the, the the definitely like stretching out to the bigger picture. I think it helps now. I think like Eric White and Daniel Tice are make you way better than what you had uh, off your bench before. And now long term, um, I thought it was interesting that you know, I asked Brad Stevens. I said. Is this, like, how are you building this roster? We all sit here and say they need a third star. And I'm mean, guilty as, an, as anybody, but it really feels like they're more saying, let's find the right pieces a- around this core and let's find ways to get them. And so to me, that it was more signaling, you know, yeah, we got to think about Bradley Beal because he's super talented and Jason Tatum has a relationship. But, you know, can we find a high energy power forward that, replaces Al next year and all of a sudden, you know, all the pieces work together and you still have a top one defense and, you know, hopefully the offense gets more consistency and they add some shooting. I just think they're, they're set up really well. They have multiple avenues. Um, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to all come together and, and talent is king and you got to find the most talented pieces. But uh, I feel good about where this team is headed outside of the, the fact that, you know, I do, I, as much as I, I just said, like trade the picks, it is somewhat frustrating that they don't have the pipeline of young talent and Singoon down in Houston. Imagine if he was here, that would have been the guy. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it is frustrating to look back and, and wonder, you know, if they could have made roster construction a little easier. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's no question about that. You look at the last five years and the, the mistakes here, but I will, to your point on the white train, like this, the stuff helping now, this is, it, this feels like the kind of move that, and we don't want to talk too much about the past year, but, they needed that the like three, four years ago, like the bubble season, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sometimes you have to overpay to get a guy that you think is a good fit. And sometimes, yeah, it's going to hurt at the time, but if it works, it works. Like you'll, you'd pay like twice as much of that. If it like goes on the deep run. So white seems like he could be that guy. Is it, you paid a premium for him. You're like giving up on pretty much unprotected pick swap down the line and a good first round pick and a good player in Richardson for a guy mm-hmm. shooting 31% from three, but whatever, if the fit works, if it like, he doesn't take away from what you do on one end of the floor and, and broadens what you do offensively, then it's like, yeah, like that that's worth paying all that. And maybe even a little bit more for, if the fit is that good. So you wonder how much Brad, you know, just based on how this, the, the tra- trajectory of this team over the last three or four years being like, Oh man, if we, you know, a couple of those times we seemed like, you know, in that bubble, we were, even when Gordon went down, we were probably one player away from really competing there. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, he doesn't want to let an opportunity for that kind of slip away when he thinks he has a guy in white that 
could kind of fill that mold, I think. And didn't we say like online that they just need that connector, that that other piece that might just accentuate the Jays? And I do think there's a value when, you know, and look, I was as much as anybody after that loss to the Knicks where they fell to three games below 500 and 11th in the East. I was sitting here saying maybe they got to go backward because I didn't see a path forward at that point. Now they, they clearly went to another gear. They made some changes. The, the defensive changes that have led to them being now on the, the cusp of being the number one defense is position this team for uh, much more success than I envisioned on January 7th or whatever that day was. But, um, you know, at that point, I thought they should sell. And then it clearly became, okay, Jason and Jalen are healthy. You know, how may, how often can you guarantee that? You feel good about the pieces. Like, you know, unfortunately, like the Al, you just don't know what's going to happen with Al after this year. So while he's playing good, why not ride it? Rob is as upright as he's been. So I get it. There's just like this motivation to just like, let's see. And the East as a whole, you know, being way more probably wide open than we anticipated. You know, like, look, the, the Bucks are going to go up a level when it matters. And who knows what happens with Philly and, and, and the Nets after this. But, um, you know, if you get the right matchups, you get Cleveland in round one, you feel pretty good. You get Chicago in round two. Like, you know, those are those are advantageous. All of a sudden you're at the, the, the Eastern Conference Finals again. And uh, – so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. Uh, sort of leaning into being good, and honestly, we we said it in the the ramp up to the trade deadline. It's Brad Stevens' mo. Like it, it's yeah. never been his his plan to go backwards, and I think it was just easier for him to to be like, all right, you know, man, it sucks that we gave away so many close games, but we're better than our record says, and let's just kind of go for it here. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> he picked a direction, which I think both of us like. That's like. He, Straddling the fence for this yeah. team going to the trade line would have led to, you know, just kicking the can to the end of the season in terms of big picture questions. But he took care of pretty much, I think, everything you'd hope for in the checkboxes. The patience, like when we said to blow up the team, you know, after the next game, you know, in that beginning of January, there is still a month to go before the trade deadline. And it, okay, like, we didn't conceive like, oh, winning 16 out of 20 or whatever it was. Right. So, yeah, that's that's enough. That's enough of a sample size when literally the net rating is like double of the team that's second during that stretch. Like that's <laughs> enough to be like, OK, yeah, this this might be worth investing now. And White's one thing. And the tightest thing, too, is like you're getting a guy who you can like, who, you know, and they're like the learning curve is just not going to be there. That like you get a You get another random guy in the middle of the season, another backup big, you know. They don't know the playbook. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on. I know Doug is a different coach, but like Tice knows how to play with all these guys. So that's like, that's not an issue here. And so you get that. He declines his trade bonus. And I think the other sneaky part of this that we haven't really seen it come to fruition here is like you open up all these roster spots and yeah. they might turn into nothing. But even just having cracks of guys who might be good in the G League or whatever, like finding diamonds are off. You get getting a few cracks at that right now in the next month. Um, I think that could be helpful down the line. I don't think it's going to be helpful this year, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you don't have dead weight at the end of the bench anymore, which is pretty much half your team for the first half of the season. The other thing here, Dennis Schroeder and Ennis Cantor were, were negative people on the court. Like you got better by moving them as much yeah. as I love, you know, I love, I love Ennis and all that, the, the podcast and all that, but he, I mean, besides playing 40 minutes against Joel Embiid when you're thin on bigs, you know, it's hard to play him in long stretches. He had that one magical stretch at the start of the season where he was plus every night. We were like, what's going on? Uh, but, you know, it, it, it was a tough guy to play in a defensive-minded team. Dennis Schroeder, 
you know, maddening to watch offensively in the right situation, phenomenal point guard. And almost talked myself into multiple times when he was a starter that he had a long-term future here. But um, I think we've seen it's just the shift when you've got the pieces that better fit with your main talent out there. It just looks better on the court. And now it doesn't happen always, but um yeah, I, I, I just much prefer the look of this bench that they've got now. And then to your point about the open roster spots, the thing for me has just been, like, they had to play Pritchard and Neesmith. Like, they sat here yeah. and screamed it when they were bad, when they were good, whatever. So at least you're, you're, you're getting a look here and figuring it out. And if it means, you know, I, I thought this, this might open the door for Hauser a little bit, and I just want to see it. Like, I don't know if he can sustain defensively, but... I mean, they need shooting in a bad way, so take a look at it. And I know people are sitting here, it's like, oh, if Gary Harris comes available and Robin Lopez, and sure, like, you got you make the call if they do, but they'll probably have more attractive situations, more surefire contenders that they can go to, but you absolutely make the call and try to pitch them on. Uh, our coach is playing eight guys, like anybody with a pulse who can actually be a plus can play, you know, 10, 15 minutes a night at least, but, um, you know, if it doesn't happen, like, I'm cool if they just leave those spots open. If they sign someone, if they sign the best G League point guard and the best G League power forward, even if it's the last day of the season, just carry them through the the summer like they used to do with uh, Oliver Lafayette and uh, who was the UMass kid uh, that uh, Oh Gaffney. Yes, I actually Man. I went to Gaffney's house once with uh, I did a I was helping out Henry Abbott of True Hoop uh, yeah, back yeah. in like 2012 2013 and like went to his family's house in. I forget where it was, somewhere around here. Um, and that yeah. was very nice family, very good dude. But yeah, exactly. But guys like that, to your point, like that's exactly why not? Like you have to take flyers and you don't you you hopefully it's someone who has you know potential, whatever. There I know a lot of these guys with the all a lot of guys have gotten tons of opportunities this year with COVID throughout and G League guys getting bounced up plenty of times, but this is something the Celtics really haven't had the luxury to do the last few years with just the way their roster has been constructed. So now, you know, you at least start looking towards the future and like you said, figuring out what you have in Pritchard and Neesmith and, and making a decision there with, with Romeo too, being like, Hey, you know, this is, we, we, we can't keep it all these young guys forever. We have to like make a choice here. And I don't know if that was a Spurs choice or their choice to, to, to include him in that deal, but at least that's just one less thing to worry about especially with his having $5 million in the cap for next year that, you know, you may not be wanting to spend anyway. Can I, can I tell you one quick Tony Gaffney story? Please. Now that, now that we've improbably gone down the Tony <laughs> Gaffney wormhole. Uh, 2010 playoffs, my first year at ESPN, uh, where the, the game six against the Lakers, Perk tears his ACL. And yep. we were waiting outside the locker room, and I, I won't name the reporter because uh, I don't know if he wants me to divulge this information, but comes over and he's like, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on is, is, you know, Perk definitely out for tomorrow. Like that, but we didn't know it was an ACL. It looked bad. It like, clearly looked like it was going to be yeah. season ending. But you know, if you remember, even he showed up the next day and he still, I think he put on his uniform before the game and we're all like, what is going on? It was just like, he just, he just wasn't in the mental state to, to not go out there. But anyway, game six is over, waiting outside the locker room at the Staples Center. And this reporter comes up to me. He's like, we're going to get to this, the bottom of this story. And I was like, oh, how are we going to do this? We're going to go like, you know, Buddy Up Perk or like the superstar. No, Tony Gaffney came walking out of the locker room and the reporter pretty much pushed him up against the wall and was like, what do you know? And Tony Gaffney's <laughs> like, I am the 15th man. I have no information and ran for his life. 
uh, and uh, but yeah, so that, that was that was always uh, that was always my favorite favorite moment in in uh, in ESPN history. We did not he, Tony Gaffney if Tony Gaffney knew his ACL was torn, he did not divulge that information in that moment, and we had to wait for uh, a little bit more confirmation. But uh, that will always be. We did not try to shake down Oliver Lafayette or anybody else uh, as they came out, but poor Tony Gaffney. Uh, yeah, it happens. The the old the old locker room walkout shakedown. <laughs> it's really some of the best stories brew from that. But that that's great. What a what a throwback. Yeah. Um, Smith and Pritchard. Let's talk about them for a little bit here. Yes. Since we've actually seen them for a while, um, to stay in time for a week. Um, I guess the interesting thing to me to me right now is you look at the rotation and the fact that Tice looks good coming back in. Looks like he's gonna probably you know. Who knows how much I'll play tonight, but he's going to play uh, at least probably 10, 15 minutes. And so that probably leaves one spot for Neesmith or Pritchard when everyone's healthy for like a regular rotation. When you have White coming off the bench, you have Grant coming off the bench, you have Tice doing some spot duty at center when everyone's right. Who do you think gets the, we know Pritchard started in that front, but who do you think gets the, the variety of those minutes the most when, you know, things get back to normal here down the stretch of the season? Yeah, it's Pritchard. Like I just, I just feel like you need another guard, and I know you can go Derek White and maybe go big with Neesmith, but um, I just think P- N- Pritchard gets the first crack unless he really reverts or doesn't doesn't make the uh, the strides that we think with more time. And I don't know if that's the right decision. Like I love Neesmith's energy, and I know there are times where he is just completely reckless and it's just so weird at times because you, 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 the idea coming in was that here's this like spot up guy, very finesse kind of guy. And I mean, he just plays like he has no fear for his body or like no clue about the the, the, the finesse side of it. And uh, but I kind of like that. I kind of like the you know a guy just kind of chaos. And I think we've seen. Um, you know, the weird thing is he just misses some shots so bad. And it, it it there's one thing to miss. It's it's another to just be like so far off as he's been at times. And so I can't put my finger on why that is. Um, it could just be reps and time and all that, but yeah, it's it's definitely not as 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 uh, beautiful as the Sam Hauser three pointers when they go up. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm cool with if the Celtics just it, invariably injuries are going to happen even over the final 22 games and hopefully not into the playoffs. But you know, if he just has to wait, um, I will say if he's not going to play and if you're comfortable with eight, send him to Maine. I mean, I don't know how many games Maine has left, but just get him reps. I think that will help when he comes back. I keep telling this story like uh, I don't know why I'm in a time machine today, but let's say it was 2012, 2013, something like that. Whatever you, I, I'd have to go back and maybe it was maybe it was the first summer. Maybe it was 2011. Uh, Avery Bradley gets drafted. Uh, young 19 year old had come off an ankle injury, wasn't ready to play, was terrible shooting the ball. Like like to the point where we're like uh, Doc Rivers, this guy is never gonna play. And then he went down to the G League, he grew his hair long, and he just grinded for like six weeks or four weeks or something, like probably even shorter than that. But And then he popped back up. I think we were in like Memphis or something. And Paul Pierce was ragging on him in the locker room. He's like, what's up with your hair? And Avery Bradley by like, you know, 12 months later was replacing Ray Allen in the starting lineup. And sometimes you just don't know. Like you just need reps, you need confidence. And I'm not saying Neesmith is going to like all of a sudden kick down the door, but there is a value in just sort of finding yourself. And I don't know if he can do that here with the setup they have right now. Uh, it's a little bit easier without Romeo Langford and others clogging the, the grind for minutes. But um, 
yeah, I just, I just hope that they, they figure that out. Like in just in general, I hope Celtics put a, a higher emphasis on young player development. And if it's not going to be through minutes on the court, it's finding a way to get them into the, into the system in the G league and, and better utilizing that uh, to, 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 to help those players along. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And the, I think the problem for now in terms of going that route is like, you can't, you can't even afford to do that right now because you only have 12 players on your roster. So once, once they start signing some guys, in, and they're probably going to wait a couple weeks, make sure Jalen isn't, you know, a late minute addition to the right. all-star game. And, and you don't need to obviously be paying guys during the all-star break period, but when they start filling those slots and then that they have some depth at the wing there in the situation that you kick, Hey, let's get Aaron up there for the weekend. Let's get him some reps there. But I'll tell you what though, Chris, like Peyton Pritchard, he's not running away with these minutes by any means. Like he's like, no, he's, he's shot. like he's had the opportunities everywhere right now, but it's not like, oh, well, you got to pay pay now. It's like, well, like, this is, this, if we're going to go, if Ime really wants to lean into defense first everywhere, then like Aaron is probably the pick there just for size alone. And and I'm on board with that. Like I said, like, I think that's something they got to figure out. And maybe you just try that. Try like Tatum in the bench lineup where it's Derek White, Neesmith, Tice, Tatum, you know, whatever else you need to like, throw out there. Great. And yeah, and, 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 and see how it looks. Can Grant Pice, is that sustainable? You know, Grant mm-hmm. playing down a little bit towards the wing can probably, because of his shooting, be okay. I like that idea because that's a ton of shooting on the floor, you know, with Grant and Neesmith, uh, Tice even. Like, feels like that could really spread things out with, with, with Tatum. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the same thing happens if you have if you have Neesmith out there. But definitely uh, probably a little bit more of a, of a, of a good lineup. So, uh, in general, like figure out, figure out the guys you're, you're riding with, you know, and, and, uh, and move forward from there. But yeah, I, I agree. Like it, it's it, the only frustrating part. And I put a lot of it on the organization is like the players themselves should certainly, you do wish they'd kick down that door a little bit more like, okay, here's your chance. We clear things out. Like who wants it? And maybe that'll happen. Maybe it's just four games. You know, we, we can't make too much of a proclamation, but, um, yeah, it really would be nice if one of those guys came back from the break and was just like, yeah, this is it. This is my time, and I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make an impact and and figure out a way to get into that rotation. All right, we're gonna talk a little more big picture with the rest of the roster now. But first, gotta let you know about our sponsor, Bet Online. Football season is over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and the college hoop season. So, with all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Use the promo code CLNS50 to get started. You can also do hockey, boxing, UFC odds right down to the Olympic coverage. Making some, are you making some Olympic bets right now, Chris? Are you like... Um, <laughs> Uh, I have not. I've, NBC is the host of the Olympics. So I, yeah, I've been watching a ton of Olympics and making a ton of bets. So, uh, <laughs> please continue to watch the Olympics. <laughs> From sports right on down to the Olympics, to your Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, let's talk about the team here. Nine of ten. Um, overall, I think 16 of 21, 17 of 22, something like that. Sounds right. Sounds right. Can I, uh, can I flip the script here? Can I ask you what, what yes. can be one thing that gives you like super encouragement that they can be a contender 
and then give me one thing that scares the hell out of you that this team isn't legit. I mean, that scare the hell out of it is easy. It's it's just the, the late game situations again. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we saw it against the Pistons. And I actually went back and watched, you know, they were up by eight with four minutes left. And I'd say, <laughs> if, if to put it nicely, it was one of their, like, better collapses of the year, if you want to say it that. Like, they, they crumbled, but at least, like, you know, Al hit that corner three. The the Pistons made some really tough shots. Like it was it was a defensible collapse, if you will, for as much as you can Amazing. say that against the worst team in the NBA, which is I'm I'm stretching pretty far right now. But still, <laughs> you you're up by eight with four minutes left. Like that that's a really bad loss. And that's the sad part about this team is that's still it's not even on like in the top ten of worst losses for the team this year. <laughs> And so uh, until they figure that out, until they get out of those old bad habits, I mean, that, that has to be like this, this, the scariest thing here, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to spin it some other way. Like, I think I have two concerns. I have just the late game in general. And even if you look, so I went back to, I think, since uh, January 1, which is like sort of this 24-game stretch, 23-game stretch, if you include that um, Suns game. Uh, they're 5-4 and four in clutch games. Now, it's great that they're blowing out teams, and I keep saying it, like, that's what you're supposed to do against bad teams. That's what they should have done against the Pistons, but um, certainly you're going to stumble along the way. What's frustrating is that even in close games against, you know, not elite competition, they've still struggled. And, you know, that's just not good enough. If they, if I have – it's so weird because the two of the primary indicators for postseason success are point differential, which the Celtics are dominating, and should be five wins better, and yet – here they are five and four clutch, which is another sort of playoff indicator because all games are close and who thrives in that situation is why everyone can be super bullish on the Suns and, and what they're going to do. Um, and the Celtics have failed that test. So it, it's, it's just stuck in the middle. And, and the one thing I keep going back to on, in the big picture is the offense. Like even though they have been absolutely demolishing teams in this stretch, they're still barely a top 10 offense uh, since the start of the year. And, you know, even since like – I think the 23rd when Marcus came back, you'd think that's a stretch where 9 out of 10, 10, 11 out of 13, whatever it is, and yet they're still like 9. And there's been strides for sure. Like it looks better. They're moving the ball more, but they're still just not super efficient and they're prone to these lulls and the turnovers have been infuriating. And so for me, it's like they got to figure out how to be a little bit more crisp. And that could be as simple as Jason Tatum goes on another heater. It could go as simple as Jalen Brown stops fumbling the ball away every three seconds and like all those things would help. But um, yeah, they got, they've got to make some strides there. Uh, help if Derek white could make some three pointers. He's going to get a billion open looks. Hasn't, hasn't, hasn't fallen yet. But I think they're confident that Josh Richardson, like they will. Uh, it's been nice. Like at, the weird part is like Al seems a little bit revitalized here and making threes and they haven't been able to fully capitalize on that. So for me, it's, for me, it's like the office has got to go up a level. You just, if you look at the history, I wrote this, if you look at the history, uh, and I wrote this at like the, the, the day before the season started when I was concerned about the offense. If you look at the history of NBA champions, only one team hasn't essentially been a top 10 offense in the last 30 years. And it's the 2004 Pistons. Okay, maybe you're the 2004 Pistons with your defense, which is, of course, the reason for optimism, but um, chances are you're not. And that you're just, a, you're just really, you know, you're, no one's going to be the 2004. Pitch no, I mean, yeah. No, Celtics aren't out here mugging guys and like, like taking their lunch money. They're just, they're just playing really good and, and, and fun to watch. But um, yeah, so I, I guess that's where, that's where I'm at. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be balanced, but man, like offense, defense, it's like, mm. they got to find some middle ground with that offense and, and maybe I'll feel a little bit more bullish.
Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Rob being out probably hurt them a fairly a mm-hmm. bit offensively with the offensive last of that. But just the, the lessons of like, okay, in the last minute of the Pistons game, Jalen drives, runs into two guys, gives a kick out three to Al. Perfect. Same play. Twenty seconds later, Jalen drives again. Two guys. This time, okay, I'm gonna shoot it. I'm not gonna pass to Al wide open again. It's like, no, you. This is what like you have to do this again and again in these situations because you're. How did you feel about the last play, play too? Oh, I mean, I was, I was disappointed on a number of fronts. It looked like Tatum had him beat number one, and number two, I think, I mean, whatever there was supposedly a handoff. Dime said option on that play. It didn't look like there was any handoff option. That's like Derek, like White, pretty much like slipped the screen very quickly and just got out of the way when. Tatum it it was funny watching Derek White scramble out. Like he was like, Oh boy. Okay. Right. Like, so it's like, should, should White get the ball now? Like I know white in, in these situations, I'm almost like, Hey, you know what? Just put the ball in white's hands and try something it. good. To happen. But I don't know again, but then he had a couple chances in the last three minutes too, where he, you know, he stepped out of bounds one time. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, he's not great in those situations either in terms of creating for himself, which is obviously the biggest issue there. But if you have enough time left, I'd be like, Hey, put the ball in white's hands and, he's going to find someone open and at least going to create some havoc in that situation. So like, I don't know. I, I, I'm all for more experimentation in these like regular season late game situations because to just figure out, or at least hammer home with these guys being like the ball has to move the ball, like every possession the ball has to move. And even if the shots don't go in, like that's the percentage play is that that's the right way to go. It can't be worse. Right. Like, right? you know, <laughs> just like... so, so, so might as well experiment with, but I do agree. I like the idea of starting it with a ball mover before it gets to Jason or Jalen. And, um, you know, it's just the, the, the isolation, which we like ra- rail against for so long. And then they start moving it. It's like, all right, here we go. Assist percentage is up. They're finding their groove. And yet when it matters most, you look at their assist percentage in crunch time, it's like 45%. Like that's criminally low, criminally low. Feels high. Thinking that the, <laughs> Watch ah, it. So, uh, you know, yeah. So I hope he may, uh, if, if there's one focus, is is uh, is foc- focusing on on the crunch time and putting Rob in a hyperbaric chamber to heal up <laughs> and uh, and make sure that he is there to to fully impact because it's just different, you know. I, I my, my network ran a little Twitter poll yesterday. They're like, who is the most important Celtic beyond Jalen and Jason? And I mean, in part because like it's my thing, but in part because it's like obvious. It's like. I mean, the answer is Robert Williams. Like, yeah. I, I get Marcus Smart has been great, but holy cow, have we watched the team this year? Like, everything changed when Rob went to the Roma role, and, like, they're just not – they don't rebound without him. They don't uh, protect the rim without him. Like, it's just completely different. So, uh, Robert Williams, uh, I hope you enjoy a wonderful break. Uh, get that calf. Get the little little gun that massages the back of your leg and makes you feel better. Uh, and uh, be ready when, when Brooklyn comes around. I think I saw him. He posted something where he looked like he was somewhere really nice uh, during this all-star break. So um, it was like some nice tent they were eating breakfast. I was like, be a rumor or something uh, wonderful. But uh, another Did you thing, doing you, anything? Oh, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying the fact there's like we're gonna get if we have a like right now during like. COVID, like for any parent, I mean, you're, mm-hmm. but any parents of kids that like are unvaccinated because they're under five, it's like anytime yep. there's warm weather out, it's like everyone just like circle the wagons. We're going out. <laughs> we're doing like five hours outside right now. We're going to the brewery, wherever, going for a walk. Yes. Um, 
yeah so we're gonna i'll probably be driving out to your neck of the woods for that stuff since that and and, and do time oh come on out the treehouse or, or go visit right. my friends penny pinchers i gotta get up there you go when we're on yep. this tv uh in millberry uh my, my my favorite my favorite spot i need uh i need everybody to go check them out uh and not and, and i paid full price for this sweatshirt so <laughs> let let jay behind the counter know that he can he can, should be hit, hit, hitting me up with more discounts for uh, routinely promoting uh, i am offer off to south carolina i will be on a golf course so uh but we are, uh, we have, we uh, like, I'm the, I'm, I'm in line. I like every week that I can get a booster. Uh, I will get one. I want one of every variety yes. and, uh, and same for my children and off we'll go. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully the, the, the golf course will be away from people. And uh, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't fly I, after the game on Thursday night, to be honest. My kids have, uh, some dance classes, some basketball games this weekend. So we're, uh, we're here for a couple of days before, uh, before we make a break, but, uh, a couple of days of sunshine. It's supposed to be. I, I don't want to gloat. Like it's supposed to be eighty degrees in, in Myrtle Beach this weekend, and uh, or, or or next week. And uh, I am I am thrilled because just the five here in my neck of the woods yesterday was enough to have me out in shorts and t shirt and pretending like I'm sunbathing. So uh, let's uh, let's do this. Uh, let's 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 get everybody back outside and enjoying. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing Chris like burnt to a crisp <laughs> um, next Thursday when the Celtics. Play the Nets in their return. I'll be back. I'll be back. Be back. Uh, In the meantime, definitely check out the latest Celtics Talk podcast. Chris chats with Derek White's uh, college coach from Colorado, who the guy who can I can I tell you one embarrassing story? Yes, please. I guess is so it actually got mentioned on on the on the broadcast here today. On I think ABC had the telecast, and and I I forget who was on the call, but uh, they mentioned they're like White. Uh, didn't have any recruit, and then I didn't know. Like Emi had told us that he had this crazy journey, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. I knew he was like you know late first round pick, but you know what does that mean? Like a lot. Rob Williams was a, a late first round pick, right. um, but when I heard them mention Johnson and Wales, I was like, wait, he was going to come to a cooking <laughs> school? Island? Yeah, like like this is crazy. I did not know, and and I honestly did not figure out until I was talking to the coach, uh, and it clicked in my head. Uh, colleges have other campuses. This wasn't. <laughs> This wasn't Rhode Island. He was not coming here to cook. Um, they had a what it is now defunct, which is part of the reason I, I struggled to to put put it together. But yeah, Johnson Wales has a a Denver campus back in the the mid two thousands that uh, that they were that they were uh, that that that's where Derek White would have ended up. And the coach was funny. He uh, you know he says uh, I coached a lot of uh, players there and none of them were cooked. I also had a sports management program, which enticed a lot of local, you know, D3. I think they went up to D3 eventually, but it's still crazy that he went to a D2 school, had to grind for three years, finally got a red dirt year at Colorado, then makes the jump. This is the stuff I forget. And so even when we look at him, we're like, you know, what is he, 27, 28? You know, we're, he's still like a young version because he just, he just, had, he, it just took a while for him to develop and he's still like got to bulk up a little bit. And anyway, so uh, I'm fascinated to see uh, where it goes, but uh, Derek White's dad is a major, major Celtics fan, which is another kind of crazy. The world is so small. I don't know how this all happens, but uh, yeah, we'll see where we'll see where it goes. Bring this podcast full circle. Like, like uh, Derek White should be the perfect here. We'll see how we'll see how it all works out. They're making a big bet on it, um, and we're gonna find out these final twenty twenty five games. Just how fit, quick that fit can come together. But in the meantime, check out Chris's podcasts. Especially when he figures out where Johnson and Wales is mid podcast, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you can see it click so in my brain. You see that just, just, just the visual there. I, I look forward to watching the video of that. But subscribe, <laughs> rate, review, winning place pod. Um, 
enjoy the the nights away during the all-star break as we as this team gears up and who knows we might be is it going to be celtics versus ben simmons on next thursday night what's your prediction on that i hope so fingers crossed give me give me a hype matchup that will be a lot of um hype to come right out of the break but stay tuned for that we'll be back talking about that much more next week and as always thanks for listening thanks for chris for coming on